Well, let's get into our conversation for this hour. Earlier on this week, um, the World World Health Organization commemorating World Trauma Day, and it emphasized the importance of saving and protecting human life. Now, we know that one of the big pandemics that COVID-19 has left us with is the issue of mental wellness, mental health. That's been in the spotlight a lot. And it's a conversation that I think we sometimes don't like to have because it forces us to look internally. It forces us to ask ourselves, not everybody around us, but to ask ourselves deep questions about why we are the people we are and what has contributed to that. And it's even more difficult to look at the places that we hurt, to look at the places where we have been broken. In today's conversation, we'll be unpacking the impact of trauma in our daily experiences and how we begin to navigate wounded contexts in our society. So these are in the workplace, in our homes, in our schools, our churches, our communities. Lomfundo Mohabi is with the Center for uh, Mental Wellness and Leadership on Trauma and Woundedness. She is the director of that center. Uh, Sis Lomfundo, good morning to you. Uh, Thank you so much for making time for us and also uh, for being willing to start this series with Hi, Kathy. Good morning to all the listeners. And it is such a pleasure and an honor for me to actually do this. Um, I think I think as a society, we need to be doing this and for you to take leadership in this and not only dedicate an hour, but a whole series. I think for me, it's just I'm so honored to participate in it. What is the conversation around trauma? and woundedness for a nation like South Africa that we need to be having that we have not had? So I think there is layers of this conversation, Cathy, and we will start it today. I think the first one, as people who talk about having trauma-sensitive approaches, we say that there's a conversation on realizing and recognizing what has really happened to us and how it has impacted us. And hopefully we'll be doing that for this hour because we are a society that doesn't do that, Kathy. I say to people that I, that I work with that, you know, one of the downfalls of what we did as a society when we were moving from apartheid to democracy is that as part of our transformation, we neglected this conversation to say, guys, what happened to us at a psychological level? What, how has it impacted us? Because when we know that, then the second level is, okay, so based on this knowledge and understanding, what are some of the responses then that we need to have? And these responses you'll hear as we continue to talk, um, Kathy, the responses is not just about let us go to therapy. The responses have to infiltrate every single sector of our work from um, our our policies to how we engage with each other to our homes to our practices so there's a lot there's there's a reset that needs to happen in our country and we need to just dig deep and see what is it about the knowledge of trauma that we can take to help us in bringing in this reset and changing how we do things. Mm. When we look at sometimes the reasons why people don't want to ask the question, 
what happened to us or what happened to me is that, you know, it can be seen as, oh, well, you're paying too much attention to yourself. It happened, it happened, you know, get over it and and, and move on and, and get get along with it effectively. Uh, you know, stop throwing a pity party. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually that you used exactly that question, what happened to you, because we now have a book that was produced last year by Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce. And the title is exactly that, what happened to you. And what they are saying, Katie, which actually speak to those of our, what we've been saying in South Africa as psychosocial activists and practitioners in our country to say, unless we face what happened to us, we will continue to sabotage each other as a society. So what they've done is they've taken everything that we've learned for the past 20 years about trauma, the neurology, the psychology, the spirituality of trauma. And they say to us, if we really want to begin to solve the problems of our time, whether it is in our personal relationships, in our workplaces, or even at a societal level in different sectors, education and health, we have to ask different questions. We now know that asking the question of why are you like this? Why do you do this? Hasn't helped us. That there's a question that we need to ask to say what happened to us? Because an answer to that question is going to give us interventions and strategies that begins to shift us from some of this darkness that we have. It is, Kathy, I, I agree with you. It is a big ask because you are saying that I must step into the very things that I am trying to close. Some of us have taken the keys and locked away our pains. But what we know is that this pain doesn't get fully locked. It has ways of protruding and showing up and actually creating toxicity or destroying the very things that we're trying to do. So, Kathy, we can't afford, not just for ourselves, for the next generation. We need to be the generation that says our forefathers didn't do it, but let us be the ones that recreate a different South Africa and give over to the next generation a South Africa that is healed, that doesn't make trauma results in the stuckness that we have in some of the areas of our country. So on that note then, Numfundo, let's begin with this question. How do we recognize what has happened to us? Good question. So I think the first thing is we need to understand. I want to just touch a bit on the neuro neuropsychology of trauma because that is the core of why this work is so important. And when I, I talk to people, I usually explain that we have to understand how the brain is structured. So our brains, they are structured in a hierarchy. There is the basic, basic areas of the brain that just helps us to sleep and, and wake up. We call it the hind brain. And then there is the highest level of the brain that... Um, brings our executive functioning. So when we are saying we want a successful South Africa, when we're saying we want to have successful workplaces, successful relationships, education system, we are basically saying that we want to have active cerebral cortex or our executive function to work. So our what makes us unique from animals is the cortex that we have and the cortex that we hold. But then we have another part of the brain where we don't get trained a lot. And I, I really wish, uh, Kathy, that, you know, from grade one, from preschool, children get trained about 
the limbic system, which is the one that holds our emotions. It is just under the cortex, and under it we have the amygdala. So when we experience trauma, again, kids, I want to differentiate between trauma as the big T and the trauma is the, the small T trauma because both of them are equally important. So there's the big T trauma. When you talk about trauma, people think of um, experiencing rape, experiencing war, hijacking. So that is included. But there's also the, the, the small T's that we tend to ignore, such as um, neglect, having experienced neglect, betrayal, bullying, all these disruptions of attachments that also cause trauma. So what we now know is that those experiences get stored up in our amygdala, in our limbic system. And Casey, the only thing that our limbic system can do is to help us to survive, is to fight, is to flight or to freeze. Now, here's why this work is so, 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 so important and why it's important for us to know what happened to us, Kathy. Because if we don't deal with the painful experiences that we have and they are stored in our amygdala, every time we see something or hear something or even just experience something that reminds us of the trauma, it could be somebody's voice, it could be a bang because you, when you've had a car accident, anything, what happens is that then our amygdala gets activated, Kathy. But here's the thing, and here's the deal. When our amygdala are activated, our cortex become deactivated. So you end up as a society whose brain is arrested. There's actually a country in Europe that had a whole conference, Kathy, a whole country said, guys, we realize that because of what has happened to us in COVID, our brain has been arrested. Can we go and understand the functioning of the brain so we can know how to liberate the brain of our society so we can function better? So the first thing you need to know is what happened to me? What are my triggers? You know, so what are the things that, what by triggers, I mean those things where you have an exaggerated response to. What are the things that make you enter into this fight mode? Or the things that make you enter into this um, flight mode where you ignore things, you run away. Or the things that make you just freeze, where you just, you're like, guys, I can't move, I can't do anything. Or I, I have a paper in front of me, usually it takes me two minutes, but now it's taking me 20 minutes. Unless we know what happened to us, Kathy, know your story. What is your story? What are the painful things you've gone through that we have not dealt with? Because those are the spaces where you are likely to sabotage yourself, sabotage the people you work with. And, and if you are a leader, sabotage your whole organization. How do we have this conversation at a national level? Because there is the question of the collective trauma. Um, yeah. that, that we have, have been through as, as a country. And I'm looking at the distinction that you've made between the big T, the big trauma incidents, and also the, the small trauma incidents. In South Africa, you just have to be, you can walk out of your house, you can be in your house and, expo and be exposed to any level of this trauma. Yeah. And, 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 and Kate, I mean, when you say expose, we need to really explain to people because when you experience trauma, you store it in your body. 
And the danger is when you are asleep to it, when you are not even aware that I am traumatized, you are going to lash on attacks on other people. You're going to get easily offended. You're going to be sabotaging everything and you will be blaming everyone around you, but without knowing. And, and Kathy, just to be clear, there are issues we need to deal with. But when you are traumatized, right, the issues are the 10%. They become 90%. So as, as, as a country, there is a big conversation, and I like that you've brought in collective trauma. Because you can imagine, imagine Kate, I mean, I've only explained that you might have your own river of life. As Nomfundo alone, from the time I was born in the 70s up until now, I have levels of traumatization and layers that I need to deal with. So I'm constantly triggered, and I'm constantly using that triggered state in how I show up as a mother, as a leader. When I come into the workplace, if I'm working with 10 people, they bring their own stories. We trigger each other. I mean, I've worked in workplaces that have become so toxic because people are triggered. So the personal trauma itself is enough. But as if that is not sufficient, and that is why, Kathy, I am saying that this is the next fight for our country. This is the next level of work that we need to do because the, the, the trauma of South Africa is also collective, as you say, Kathy. So what do we mean when we say it's collective? It means that we can be triggered at a collective level. Kathy, what happened in KZN, I say to people that what happened during the, um, what do we call it, the winter looting and, and that violence, those of us that work with trauma and collective trauma said, but guys, since 2008, we have been saying that our collective trauma, when it is triggered, makes us to unleash the kind of violence that doesn't make sense to other people. So that incident wasn't a surprise. And unfortunately, Kathy, we will continue having this collective um, eruptions of violence in our country because at a collective level, and it is deep in our psyche and in our body, we hold this, this anger, this rage, this betrayal that is constantly being triggered. But it's not only at a collective level, uh, Kathy, we also know now from trauma that even at a historical level, so we're not only holding the trauma we experience in collectively, but whatever trauma my mother didn't deal with, my grandmother didn't deal with, my great-grandmother didn't deal with, we hold that. So we are dealing with centuries of traumatization. And studies in the trauma field is now showing that a lot of countries and societies, because they don't deal with their historical traumas, those historical traumas show up in the political life of that country, in the economic life of that country, and in the social life of that country. So yes, Katie, we need a conversation about the layers of traumatization and woundedness in our country and how they are impacting how the current generation is showing up in fulfilling the tasks of rebuilding South Africa and making it a country that is thriving and successful. I, I found it fascinating that, you know, so, some of the research that exists today show that trauma is actually embedded in our bodies and that yeah. that trauma can physically be passed on to children you 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 you're talking about how you know how unresolved traumas carry from one generation to the other but the fact that it, it can actually show up in one's dna that's a little bit frightening for me sure yes so it changes your genetic makeup so sometimes some of us, I don't know if you've had these experiences where you're just sitting and someone does or say something 
and it just touches you at a deep level and you're like okay i mean i know that it makes me angry but there's just there's just an added like depth of pain that is even bigger than what is happening that is actually collective trauma that is that is held in our genetic makeup i was even saying that we have a society of of young people first of all i mean kate we had like 95% increase in terms of the stats in in april of young black men that have killed themselves some of them don't even know that the added burden of saying i don't have money i can't provide for my family is not just their personal pain is the pain that their father didn't deal with their mother didn't deal with it is in their dna it predisposes them to 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 depression to anxiety and like people that were not exposed so there are some of us just by nature because of the history and that's why if i know the history of my family and the trauma then i know i am much more likely to be predisposed to depression and anxiety therefore i need to take even more precautions in protecting my mental health so then how how would you propose that that we go about doing this as we answer the question recognizing what happened to us and answering the question of what happened to us because some people will have a long list some people will be unsure about what exactly it is that they need to be putting down as an answer to that question so i think there are various vehicles that we can use kathy and and depending on different people uh, different ones can work so the first one we know that just being able to draw and and doing drawing and writing connects us to the right hand hemisphere of our brain that also holds our images things that we can't speak about so we usually do this thing that we call the river of life and if you are at home and you can do this it's really helpful where you sit and say what is my river of life what is my experiences you just sit by yourself and you draw your life story don't write it down because when you write it down you are using your left hemisphere and usually our our memories and our painful memories are not necessarily held in our language which is in our executive function just sit and and draw your experiences and identify what is it that i have gone through that i have not dealt with mm. let's just start having this conversation as friends you know we need to transform our conversations then again let's have a day of healing as friends we are just going out and let's talk about what happened to us let us do it in, in if we can do it i know families at at the center i mean they are their half of the biggest pain but let us do it in our families where we can have these conversations and say guys what happened to us as a family because whatever happened to us as a family is going to have an impact so draw, we also Katie, i do it with organizations you'll be surprised how many organizations have gone through traumatic incidences that are shaping how they deal with issues of money how they deal with issues of power so that's one of the things that um we can be able to do we don't necessarily right. need to go to therapy mm. yeah i'm going to ask you to pause it there we'll continue the conversation yeah. with nomfundo mohabi the question that of course we're asking today what happened to you what have you gone through as an individual that you have not that you have not dealt with and i think what what i'll do is that i'll also open the phone lines and and hear just some of the experiences that you may want to share or even the questions that you have around recognizing this trauma 
It's just after 10.30. Time for your latest news headlines. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation with Nomfundo Mohabi. We're talking about understanding and navigating trauma. The question that we're asking today is, what happened to you? How do you begin the process of recognizing and understanding how what has happened to you influences and affects the way that you function today and you know what is it that you as an individual have gone through that you have not dealt with it's a conversation uh Fundo, that also requires a lot of vulnerability right it, it requires uh, you know f- for all of us to put ourselves in a position where we are open to to looking into what is inside of us yeah, and it is a big ask, Kathy, because we have put up all these armors, as um, Brene Brown will say in, in, in her book. We've put up these armors and these defenses to protect ourselves against this pain. But not only us, even our parents, we've gotten used to saying Zoma strong. So, I mean, it is really a big ask, and that's why the cornerstone of this work is awareness. And I keep on referring to self-awareness, self-awareness, if just being awake to what happened to me, just being able to say, oh, maybe the reason at a home there's such conflict, it's because of how my dad treated me, maybe because of the reason in my relationship, I am so hard to my children, it's because of how I grew up. Just that awareness, Kathy, is really important. Um, and I wanted to just highlight, you know, the you know the three major symptoms of trauma that you can also use to recognize. So it's about recognizing what happened to you, but also about recognizing your symptoms. Um, so if you are finding yourself constantly avoiding certain things, avoiding certain conversations. And again, that's an armor because you're like, no, I don't want to go there. Oh, yeah, this person betrayed me. I'm not going to engage with women or men anymore. Um, I'm not. So anything that you are avoiding in your life because of that, um, any, you might even not listen to the news anymore because just watching something or seeing something takes you back to that pain. And you can already see how dangerous this is, Kathy, if it goes to systemic level, societal and leadership level, when you have a leader who just block certain conversations or certain things because of their trauma. Uh, people who have an hyperarousal, so you don't have a, uh, your baseline is not that of being relaxed. You're just always agitated, agitated, irritated, um, and you're always just angry. Your, your, your tolerance for frustration is just very short, and people say you have got a short fuse. That could be a symptom of trauma also. Um, you snap very quickly. Uh, other symptoms is intrusion. So if you find that there's certain just memories in your life, you could be sitting with someone and then you me- the memories of your childhood or something painful happen, they just come up and they literally take you back to that trauma or the, the, the intrusive thoughts about what 
has happened to you. Sometimes it's images, sometimes it's sometimes it's thought, and every time when you think that thing is like you are taken back. And and when they begin to affect your important areas of your life, your relationship, your workplace and how you engage with people. So those are just the broad symptoms, uh, Kathy, at a personal level. But what we are now learning is that you can even see these symptoms at a collective level. You can see it in certain organizations that there are things they avoid. There are places where the organization can have these intrusive experiences. So again, use this as an information to identify where are the areas where you might need to do work. You, you, you've used the word triggered a number of times, and it's, it's, it's a word that, of course, is, I think, part of our, of our discourse now. We talk about uh, being triggered in various contexts uh, for different reasons. What do we mean when, we, yeah. we, what does this word trigger mean? I'm so glad you've asked that question, Kathy, because this is the cornerstone of why we needed to be able to do this work. So when we say that you are triggered, it means that you have been exposed to something that has touched an area in your life that you have not healed from or you have not dealt with. And, and as I said before, that the triggers can be so subtle, Kathy. Some, it, sometimes it can just be you go past a tree and you, maybe your trauma was experienced next to a tree. Just it can be images that could trigger you. It could be um, sounds. It could be the texture of someone's voice. It could be the bang, touch all our senses, it could be someone just going past you and it reminds you of something. So there is just so many ways in which we can be triggered. So anything that, that or sometimes it could be a similar experience. So let's say you are in the workplace and, and someone disrespects you and you have a deep trauma of another workplace where you were really bullied and abused. So that disrespect in it just fills triggers and makes you think of that. Now, here's what happens, Kathy. When we are then triggered, we literally go back. Our brains go back as if we are re-experiencing that. That's why you might find the avoidance, the violence, the pushback. But also, importantly, our amygdalas get activated. So when we get triggered, we immediately get into a survival mode. So you might be in a place where you actually need to be, um, I mean, I'll be talking later on with people about conflict management. So you might be in a place where you want to resolve conflict, you are asking people to engage with each other. But when somebody is triggered and they are in a triggered state, all they know is to fight and flight. So you need you know, strategies, and we'll talk a bit more about them in the next session on how to move people from that triggered state, which only knows how to fight, to flee, and to freeze. But most importantly, you need to know your triggers. Tracy. what are the, sometimes I talk to them as your buttons, your red buttons. What are the things that you know? People, you might, might say, yes, in OKB is so nice. But when it comes to time, she, oh, the way she responds, that's a trigger. There are just certain buttons that when they get pressed, you even lose your capacity to fully function as a person. You get into a fight or a flight mode.
when 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 we're looking at this conversation of of being triggered and i think most importantly of of operating and living life from that position of being triggered it says that what we are doing is not always rational um you yeah. described it as as an exaggerated response what does this yeah. mean if we apply it in a leadership context and look yeah. at leaders across the board in our society and I'm not talking about mm-hmm. just politicians I'm talking about different layers of, of leadership that exist to keep society functioning and moving forward critical critical I mean that's why I called my organization center for mental wellness and leadership because that is the core of where leadership is Kathy so as you've said when we get triggered first of all our capacity to collect information for so when you are a leader and you want to make a decision you need to be able to collect information from all angles and you need to have a complete picture of the situation before you make a decision but when we are triggered and traumatized our brain doesn't have the capacity to do that we just see this narrow um thing that is exaggerated that is based on our trauma and we respond from from there so we've seen leaders that make these wounded decisions because they are triggered the other thing that we know is that when we are triggered our capacity to regulate our emotions is very limited right so when your emotions are up whether you are angry you are frustrated or you're sad that that capacity is limited so what then happened you can imagine at a leadership level and we've seen this when leaders are triggered and someone challenges them they get into a fight with that person because in that moment they literally lose it they enter in the space where they even forget what is the vision and the purpose that they are trying to achieve the trauma begins to take the foreground and the vision and the purpose of the organization of the country takes the background and kate what we know is that when leaders really work on themselves they learn not only to regulate their own emotional reactions to others but they also learn how to regulate how would they respond to people who are triggered because if you are a leader you not only have to manage yourself but you're going to work with people who are triggered and there's deep seated pain in south africa about authority and power people have been failed so you will be find yourself in spaces where you even saying but cousin do no fundo i mean why don't you see me but people see you and what you represent so you will find these attacks on you with very strong emotional impact on them and if you are a leader that hasn't learned to manage themselves you also end up responding with attacks instead of regulating the people and making sure that the situation that needs to be dealt with is that so you get caught up in a in a trauma storm i call it a trauma storm where the leader is fighting the people are fighting you have organizations that get caught up in just a fight about something because the leader is unable to pull out and inspire and lead people towards solving problems yeah says no fundo right yeah i i i think when i think about that in the context just of of leadership i mean so much work so much work that needs yeah. to be done okay i'm going to go to the phone lines let me kick it off with erastus in rutbank erastus good morning very good morning to you khadiabana and ausnom fundo there this is too deep and big 
KG people are refusing to accept that they have problems. People, they carry things into their heart which affect a lot of people, especially people who are leaders, and that destroying even the organization they are leading. SAFM, you are doing a good work. Thank you so much for bringing this lady. Thank you. Thank you, Erastus. Is, is that all that, that you have to say? You don't have a, a personal contribution uh, to this conversation? There is a personal, personal contribution, but I so much wish you could continue talking. Okay. All right, Erastus. <laughs> all right. No problem, Erastus. In Woodbank, we'll leave it there. Let me go to Wadeville Anonymous. Good morning. Good morning, and how are you, Cassie, and uh, the listeners? I'm well, thank you, Anonymous. Yes. Okay, can I carry on, Katie? Yes, yes, you can. Okay, I just want to put this because I can hear the topic. It's so good. I wish I could let this go over and over. I grew up in a home where there was a fight almost every weekend. That was including liquor. Uh, parents mm. fighting every weekend. They ended up on separation for some years. We were left with the father, but I've got so many questions because we grew up in that home where there's, there's no mother. There are so many people coming in, coming out. And at the end, there was a year where I was raped, but I never told anybody about it till now. And I'm married now. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So there was a trauma in this house for years. Yeah. They will take mm-hmm. us and stay somewhere with somebody or a train, come back again and all those things. So it really affects my future and my life. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Sure. Can I can I come in, Kathy? Yes, you can. Anonymous. First of all, I just want to thank you just for, for sharing your story and and naming the traumatic experience and and saying, you know, I was raped. That is just, the, and, 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 and saying it out loud because that's the beginning of healing that you can name that. But I'm also hearing other layers of trauma um, around, you know, the presence of Likwa, the fighting at home, uh, the weekends, and I'm, I, there's a likelihood that you might be stressed during the weekends, the absence of the mother. So all of these are the layers of the trauma that you have. And the likelihood, of course, is that this trauma is likely to be carried now into your own relationship with your children and in how you show up as a mother and as a parent. Um, and I would really encourage you, we've got organizations like um, the Family FAMSA Family Life Center, the Center for the Study of Violence and Reconciliation, Lifeline, all these organizations are able to offer counseling. Others, um, I know that FAMSA is even able to offer counseling online for you to just have an opportunity to do what you are doing with us now, with someone else, to just tell your life story so that you can begin to identify, to say, okay, if there was fighting, how does it impact how I show up now as an adult? 
um, because people sometimes am I do I do I fight a lot or do I avoid fights, and how is that impacting uh, my relationship with my children and with my partner and how I am as 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 a parent and also just in the workplace. Uh, anonymous, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, given the fact that you have been living with this trauma by yourself, um, like you said, you've never told anybody about what happened to you when you were at home. How do you think that that has affected you today? What do you think has been the biggest impact of this trauma on your life? Okay, the biggest impact on this trauma in my life, I, I, I'm, I'm always angry. Mm. Mm. I'm always angry and sometimes it does affect my husband. A small thing then is a noise. It really affects yeah. me. Mm. It, 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 it has a big impact. Mm. So you yeah. find that you're actually constantly triggered by by different things that yes. sometimes yes. should yes. not ordinarily be triggering you. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, Anonymous, thank you mm. so much for, for calling in and, and, and for sharing um, that story with us. And, and today is really about that, right? It's about recognition. Do you do you know what has happened to you? Can you recognize what has happened to you and the trauma that it has inflicted on you? We're going to take a quick break. I'm back with more of your calls and Sesnum Fundo Mohabi. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. We continue the conversation on the talking points. Let me head on to Skukune. Mampeho, good morning. Good morning, please. Yes. Uh, I, I had this trauma when I was still in, in 1973. Mm. I was nine years old. The lady teacher who was teaching us, she hated me so much. She would beat me for nothing. To aid better's worse. She never allowed me when I was going asking to go outside to the toilet. She never allowed me. It was a terrible incident. The whole year. Imagine what will happen to a nine year old child who is not allowed to go to the toilet the whole day. And people will laugh at me. And I wish I could see her just to ask her why did she do that. Sometimes I think last day I was passing a certain village. I saw this shop. The name was saying the same name of this lady who traumatized me in 1993. I stopped. I wanted to go into the shop. She said, who is the owner of this shop? Do you know someone of this same name who taught at this place during this year? But I said to myself, no, no. I could feel I'm not healed. Possibly, I'm not healed. Because I remember everything that happened in 1973, even today, as it happened yesterday. I could not understand the way she hated me. Till today. Mm. 
And, and you know, it, it really comes back to just how long trauma stays with us, says Nomfundo. Um, and I, I mean, first of all, we're already hearing the spaces where trauma is taking place, like the previous caller, it was at home. The next one is school, Katie, the level of trauma that kids had experienced at school, NDAs. This was 48 years ago, Katie. And the thing with trauma, trauma doesn't know time. When you experience it, it's as if it's experiencing now. You're not able to say it happened in the past. And you can hear from Abu um, Mampiho that as he speaks, it's as if it's happening now. So that... Hi, Kathy, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Oh, sorry, I heard a bit of an echo. So I think that that's the first very important thing, that trauma knows knows no time. So you can, and I want to explain it for other people. So, you know, he it was nine years, so he's in his 50s now. But what is likely to happen when he's triggered? Let us say the trigger could be even just the presence of women in authority because the teacher was in authority, or it could be when some he's not permissioned to do anything, um, or even just the surname of that person. What is likely to happen when he's triggered, Katie, he literally stops being the 50-something-year-old person. He becomes a nine-year-old. And can we imagine then that when a nine-year-old responds, how they are likely to to respond? Because it seems as if it is real now for him. Mm. Um, and what I would like to appeal to him, Kathy, I know he says that, you know, for him, his healing is that he, he wishes he could talk to that woman and ask him. We say that for you to heal, shift the, the focus away from those that have caused you pain. Because the more you focus on them, the more you feed the trauma. Rather, I invite him to revisit that nine-year-old boy. Now that he's a 50-something-year-old baba, come and talk to that nine-year-old boy. Because currently, I think that nine-year-old boy has been exiled with all his pain. And listen to his pain. We, the good, and the wonderful thing about psychology is that we can reparent ourselves where we are not parented. He needs to reconnect with that boy. Tell him the things that he wish he was told. Um, tell him also some of the lies and saying, you know, just because they treated you like this, this is how you felt about yourself in life. You need to change. You, you, are, you are still respectable, lovable. Reconnect with that nine-year-old. That is where his healing is going to come from. Mm -hmm. Not focusing on the teacher and questioning the teacher. Mm -hmm. It's going back to reconnecting with our inner selves that we have exiled as the result of our pain. And and Dada Mampero, if you think about it, you know, if you were to have that conversation with your nine-year-old self, what is it that that you think you would say to yourself after experiencing that painful moment of of trauma? I think if just to say, look, we are now a born again Christian, just forgive and forget. Mm. Which I'm not sure that I'll we'll be able to to to, to accept that. You know, I, I'm not sure. Mm. This person caused a scar on my soul. Mm. People but were me every day, and uh, it was I, I, I felt it was a terrible year for me. I even failed and repeated it the following year. Fortunately, the following year she was not there. It was mm. terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible. 
Um, Kathy, I just wanted to come in uh, to just say that I know you're jumping to say that what you will say to your nine-year-old self is forgive and forget, but we can't forgive and forget what we have not named, right? So it's really important to sit with that nine-year-old to tell you what he felt, what he had gone through, and what are the things that he ended up believing about himself that are not true. That might be shaping who you are now. So it's not a conversation of forgive and forget. Because sometimes we tend to suppress people's pain by forgive and forget. For you to forgive, you need to name the first power. I mean, you say you are a born again Christian, so I'll just use them. So the first thing that, the first power that human beings had that is even written in the Bible is the power to name things. So when Adam was in power, he named things. You needed to name your pain. You needed to know, like, okay, this is what she did. How did it affect me? What are the thoughts that I had? What were the emotions that I had? Then only after you fully named it, you can go back and list and saying, I forgive her for making me feel useless and worthless. I forgive her for, you can't forgive what you have not named. And forgiveness is not about them, it's also about you. So I just wanted to say that, that, you okay. know, you don't want to separate yourself without having had. The pain is still sorrow. And I, I, and if you can't do it just by yourself, I really appeal that, you know, if there's a counselor in your church, as you say, you're going, or if there is um, the, some of the organizations I've mentioned, just go and say to them, you know, when we were doing this session in SAFM, you've realized that there's this trauma 1973. You just want a space to process it and talk about it. Because when you process it and talk about it, you release it from what we talked about, you know, that you amygdala, and then it goes to the part of your brain where you can process it. You need a space to talk about that All and right. process what has happened. Thank mm. you. Thank, thank you for that. And and thank you, Dr. Mampero, for, for calling in and, and for sharing that story and that experience with us. I've got so many callers and, and different voice notes that are coming through. So what we'll do is that we'll just extend the conversation for about um, 10 more minutes after the news before we wrap up, because I especially want to take those that have been on the line for a long time. It's just after 11 o'clock and Musa is standing by with the latest news. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. We continue the conversation on The Talking Point, 6 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. So we're just extending our conversation very slightly uh, that we have kicked off today, understanding and navigating trauma. Numfundo Mohabi is the director for the Center for Mental Wellness and Leadership on Trauma and Woundedness. Let me go to John in Bloom. John, you've been holding a long time. Good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Yes. Good morning to your visitor. I just wanted to ask with regards to collective trauma. I think she mentioned something like that. Mm. Or how can we deal with collective trauma as a nation? Because I feel like South Africa as a whole, we are dealing with trauma. I'm not sure if it's in apartheid or it happened after apartheid. Because a lot of things that were happening when I was a kid, they are no longer happening. A totally new world. And I don't want to blame everything on apartheid, but I feel like most of the things that are happening now mm. are just happening as if they were having to an apartheid. They've been done by black people to other black people. So I want to know how can we deal with that as a nation, as a whole. Maybe it can 
help with those powerful bowel problems. Mm. All right, John, I think it's a very important question you're asking. Assistant Fundo? Really critical question, Kate, and we can maybe touch even more depth. Um, some of the stuff next week will speak to that, but I want to just say I think the first thing is actually using media can be so critical in beginning to tell the stories of saying what happened to us is still affecting us now. So we need to talk not just about what happened with that, with, with, with apartheid and our history, but to understand what has been the impacts of how we show up with each other. Where are the places where we get triggered? And secondly, as, as a whole country, we need work on emotional regulation. So when I have been triggered, I need to still address some of the causes of this. But how do I respond from a space where I have regulated my emotions and not a space from where I am triggered? And, and, and we can, you know, talk a bit more about some of just the strategies of emotional regulation. And also, Katie, we've talked about what we call the unfinished business of our of, of the TRC, that we maybe need to have similar TRC processes, but not these high-level ones, but community-based TRCs where we sit together and we sit around the fire and we tell our stories. We get ahead because trauma looks for an audience, trauma looks for people to hear and understand what has happened and how I am struggling. Because if we can do that as communities, when the trauma shows up, we can be able to say, oh guys, can you see now, we are all worked up, we want to go and burn a house, this is our trauma, can we pause and be able to deal with it? But Kathy, I think in, in, in closure, it, it, it will fall or it, it will succeed on leadership 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 we need to take our leaders to be trained on trauma and understanding trauma and what trauma informed leadership looks like all right Numfundo Mohabi, let me thank you for your time john we'll leave it there and it will be part of the conversation that we will continue to have thank you all for your contributions i know lots of you try to get through but we are going to be having this conversation over a couple of weeks because there are different things that we would like to break down where this a conversation around trauma is concerned. Thank you so much for availing yourself uh, for this work. Nomfundo Mohabi, she's the director for the Center for Mental Wellness and Leadership on Trauma and Woundedness.